0: Okay, so guys, 2019, for the first uh, while of this year, 2019, we are going to pray, uh, preach through the book of Matthew, uh, and we're going to start today. So I'm going to just briefly... Yes, look how nice it is have yeah, these guys in the front row. Uh, we're gonna, I'm just going to try and set the scene for the book of Matthew and give you a brief history on what it's about, speak a little bit about Matthew, and then uh, excite you. It's going to be outstanding. The Gospels... This. The, the saddest thing would be is if we read scripture or if we take scripture and we live up to the ethics of scripture, like a bunch of parrots, like a bunch of copycats, that's not the idea. If you've not connected with the main character in the scriptures um, and you have not, not connected to him, it could be that day for you in which you could say, Lord, I want to really connect with you. And you don't really have to try so much. Sometimes we try super hard, like, you know, you try and bolt a bolt super tight when you can all loosen it. I mean, sometimes it's just like a bit of finesse and it's just that surrender. It's just that yielding of the heart, the opening of the heart to the things of the Spirit of God. And not those who are believers in Christ at all, but even for us, who are believers. And I would want to say confidently, for most of us, are very mature in our faith, in, the, in, in, in knowing the things of God. The reality and the power, and the authority, and the impact, and the imprint that it has on society, however, becomes real, we take that, and we live it out. Often at the expense of ourselves. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about our lives. Money too, but money's nothing. Some people are so poor, all they have is money. I'm talking about our lives making an impact in society. And I feel that as we to Matthew today, um, it would be super if we the ethics of the story. Now chapter 1 is tough. For those of you who have read Matthew before, it's the genealogy of Christ. So it's just the story, the lineage of Jesus. It's beautiful. It's so amazing. If you go to every one of those guys and you follow these stories in their lives, it is mind-blowing. But we want to connect with Jesus. He is really the essence and the center of this of this gospel, of this book. It's written by a guy called Matthew. The Jews called him Levi, and um, yeah, he was a cool guy. Ready for this? This is my cutting in and out. Right, Matthew. So you could read ahead if you want this week. You could read Matthew in Matthew. Excuse me. I would say you could you could you could easily stay in Matthew if you read the cross references to some of the verses in other parts of the for. Three months while we are preaching through it's not uh, but it's going to be an amazing session, it's going to be awesome. So let's begin. Are you ready? Turn to Matthew chapter one, I have to put my glasses on, and this is dying again. I don't know. The beautiful account of Matthew. Now, Matthew, Matthew, he was a literate man uh, and he knew Greek, the Greek language. And uh, when Jesus called him, he left everything behind to follow Jesus. He left all to follow Jesus, which in essence is the premise of the Christian faith. But there are people who leave everything to follow Jesus, or in their mind, uh, the image of Jesus, and soon, like the parable that's only in the book of Matthew, interestingly, about the, the, so, the seed that was sown, um, uh, hit rock bottom, and, and, and then the, the shrivels up and dies, Matthew followed Jesus because he, Jesus spoke straight into his life and connected with him in a way that could never be changed. It could definitely be challenged, but never be changed. And he wrote boldly, You are not worth serving in the kingdom, this is Matthew's the kingdom of heaven, if you take a hold of the plough. And in those days... They had to plow with an ox in front of them and they just had an oar and they literally stood on the oar and if you take a hold of the plow but you look back and you say, oh, I don't feel like this. In that one second, you look back, the oxen's over there and you're not worth serving in the kingdom of heaven. If you take a hold of him and then turn back. It doesn't mean you're condemned. It just says you're not, you're not worth it that. So Matthew's connection to Jesus is crucial. Let's look at why and how this unfolds. I'll up a little bit if we have time. Matthew chapter 1. He. Does anyone have real Bibles? Anybody? Wow, that's great. I'm reading out of my, I'm reading out of my, uh, the first Bible I ever got. This is how I got Catherine saved, was out of this Bible. (laughs) Now I'm teasing. I remember when we were dating, we we sat uh, around the table and (laughs) I remember, it was somewhere in Hebrews, I bet you I'll find it. Uh, we were sitting. She was teaching in Peter Marisburg, and we were teaching, and I, was, I said, boys, we've got to read this book. It's called Hebrews. Sit down. Let's read. And we read Hebrews, and she spilled a coffee on my Bible. I almost lost my mind. <laughs> this is the holy word of God. Anyways, Matthew 1. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. There were 14 generations from Abraham to David. Fourteen generations from David to Jesus. It's interesting, isn't it? Let's read. Abraham was the father of Isaac. And Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Sarah, whose mother was Tamar. I just want to warn you, I'm going to read every name, no matter how weird it sounds, okay? So don't judge me, just go with it. Perez was the father of Hezron. And Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father, Ram was a very persistent guy. He really broke through a lot of things, a lot of breakthrough in his life. Ram was the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon, or Salmon. And Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of David, King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asa. And Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jehoram. Does anybody know Jehoshaphat? This is my favorite story in the whole Bible. My favorite story by far in the whole Bible. Go and read it. It's amazing. Anyway, Jehoshaphat was the father of uh, Jehoram. And Jehoram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Or Jotham. And Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Amon, And Amon was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile of Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shaltiel. Shaltiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiud, And Abiud was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. And Azor was the father of Zadok. Or Zadok. Zadok was the father of Akim. Nakim was the father of Eliud. Eliud was the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar was the father of Mathen. Mathen was the father of Jacob, and Jacob was the father of Joseph. Not Mary, Joseph. Interesting, eh? The husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Woo! It just sounds so much bigger in my head. It's like a whole band. Behind it, and yeah, Mary, who was born Jesus. Okay, thus there were fourteen generations in all, from Abram to David, fourteen from David until Israel went into exile into Babylon, and fourteen from the exile and to Christ. And this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with a child through the Holy Spirit. because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill that the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, Isaiah 7. Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until, he, until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name? Jesus. 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 That's Matthew chapter 1. Matthew was a, an intelligent guy. Um, but he was a, he was a Jew. Uh, but he, were, he worked for Rome. The Romans, the Italians, basically Alessandro's family, they... They uh, oppressed the Jews, and so the Jews hated Matthew. Although he was a Jew, he, worked for the civil, he works as a civil servant for the oppressors of the Jews at the time. So Matthew, uh, it's, it's just amazing to me how Jesus could see through all the intricacies of, of cultural dispositions and, and dislikes and see straight into the heart of someone and have the ability to connect with him. And by one calling, say, come, follow me. Matthew left everything behind And he did two things. He left and he followed. And it's so huge to me. It's amazing to me. And you can see this premise repeated throughout the gospel. And not just the Gospel of Matthew, but throughout the entire New Testament. That the premise of us really being Christians, or known by the world, should recognize us as Christians. If a Christian recognizes you as a Christian, it's not valid. The world must recognize you as someone who is like Jesus. Even if they don't know what He's like, His goodness overshadows all our perceptions of what we've created of Him. Because we've left everything, and we're following Jesus. It doesn't mean we leave our jobs as a sign of following, that's like a weird, dichotomy to me, we create in our minds. No, we leave the identity that the world has placed on us to take on a new identity, which is a child, a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And so in North America, friends, for our lives to, to, be, to be, I believe, impactful, my mind is racing a thousand miles an hour, I think I had too much coffee, but I know this, listen to me, Jesus still heals today. I state that emphatically based on scripture. Jesus still raises dead people today. And it doesn't just happen in India and Africa. It happens all around the world. Jesus still sets captives free. This morning, one of the pictures down in prayer, I want to encourage you, be at 9.30. You're missing out on most of the church. It happens at 9.30. Anyway, 9.30. So, He still breaks the chains of those who are enslaved. Enslaved in all kinds of things in the area of the mind and in the body, Jesus sets people free. He still does that today. How am I ever going to get through this? So, the author is Matthew. Um, he was a tax collector. So, the Jews didn't like him. Um, when he was called by Jesus, he left everything and he followed him. In Luke 5, verse 27, 28, uh, we know that Matthew was a wealthy guy. He had money because um, in the society of the day, you couldn't have a banquet like it speaks of uh, in some of the other gospels. And Matthew threw a banquet. For Jesus, which is like pretty not cool. Lauren, why are you smiling? I get suspicion. when people smile at me. He threw a banquet for Jesus, and despite the fact that the Jews hated him, Jesus went to the banquet. There's a, there's a thing in there for us as well, our friends, you know, to go, to go when we're invited to those things. So, uh, yeah, so that was, that was Matthew. He, he left everything. He, w- he was hated. He, he was an organized guy, and he actually became, uh, according to the theologians uh, today, the, the scribe of, of the group of, of disciples eventually, the, note, the note-taker. So Matthew would always walk around with a notepad and write these little accounts down. And that's why the book of Matthew is by far, in comparison to the other ones, uh, the most comprehensive uh, gospel. Okay, Matthew. And that's why, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful book to, to kind of look at if we want to get into the person of who Jesus is. It wasn't the first one, though. Mark was the first one written, but it is uh, accepted as the most comprehensive account um, of the synoptic Gospels. Mark and Luke being synoptic, and John being more of a kind of a love letter, more of a kind of a Jesus laying on his chest, that kind of lover, but also considered a Gospel. Um, uh, it includes more significant portions of jesus 's teachings, uh, like for example, the Sermon of the Mount on the Mount is only found very comprehensively in matthew and i can 't wait to get there it was uh, um, and um, it was also more jewish in its in its content in its matter and and the reason and, and why that was a good thing is because it transitioned very well from Malachi, from the old into the new. Remember there was 400 years of silence between the prophet Malachi and when, when, when the book of Matthew really in, uh, in uh, about 100 AD uh, you know, was, was, was scripted or noted or released. So the, the transitional reality, Matthew is an amazing book, but Mark was written before that. Okay, so... It was addressed to whom it was addressed to. It was primarily addressed to the Jews. And this view is confirmed by the fact that there are about 60 references in the book of Matthew to prophecies fulfilled in the Old Testament about Jesus. Isn't that amazing? 60. 60. And we're going to look at them and discover them as we go along. Eric did such an amazing job with that uh, on the kind of mini Advent series we had before Christmas. Didn't he? About the prophecies about Jesus. So, um, uh, yes, uh, Jewish prophecies about the very quotations from the Old Testament and Christ's mission for the Jews, especially emphasizing you know, th- that th- this gospel is no longer just for the, uh, the, the, the select Jewish nation, but it is now for the, for, the, for the nations of the world, for every nation, tribe, and tongue. And so it's, it's important that we, that we realize and recognize that as we start to read Matthew, we are reading Matthew as Gentiles. You, we are all reading Matthew's Gentiles, unless there's some Jewish people here among us. And this was a transitional piece that was huge. And if we did not see this, we will not see one of the greatest themes of the book of Matthew: is that Jesus is the King of the Kingdom. So the coming of the Kingdom, and Jesus is the King, and it's no longer Jews or Gentiles, free or slave, male or female. The 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 divide caused by an ethical Religion have now been brought down, and we can see that unfold beautifully in the book of Matthew. If you see that, and guys, I want to tell you that is a big deal for us. It's a big deal because we wouldn't be here at all. This togetherness wouldn't be a thing if it wasn't for the fact that Jesus tore down the wall of division. And Matthew paints that picture beautifully for us. Okay, the key words um, is the word. Uh, the key word in the book of Matthew is the word fulfilled. Fulfilled, which frequent, is frequently repeated and indicates that the Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled in Christ. And as these prophecies were, were fulfilled, the kingdom of God started to appear. Lord, I pray that as we study this book together as a church, that the kingdom of God would start to appear in our world right here in Milton, Georgetown, Oakville, and around here. Please, show us your kingdom. We want to see it. We want to see the fullness of your kingdom, not what we want your kingdom to look like, but like Matthew started to speak about the fulfillment of these shadows, of these prophecies, of these words that were spoken. We have received many words as a church. The one that we most recently received is that we will be a disruption. Another one that we received a couple of months ago is that we will have a, a very unique way of reaching people. It's got nothing to do with the personality. It's just the way in which we will reach our cities, our communities, our spheres of influence, where you live and do life, will be unique. God has spoken that over us. Another word that was prophesied over us, these are prophecies, and the big deal is that the Matthew, the key word in the book of Matthew is the word fulfilled. What has God spoken over your life that has been fulfilled? And who have you told about that? And when last did you visit the things that God has spoken over to you? About ten years ago, no longer, maybe 15 years ago, there was a prophetic word over us as a community that we will find our own place where we will have space to enlarge and room to engage our community, our our city. And in the prophecy, it was three cities, tri-city. Look around us. We have space, guys. We have 80 acres of forest here that no one can touch. And the town has given us permission to go in there and do what we want. Not do what we want. But we can even camp there. We have space to enlarge. We have created a space to engage our community. That's one word that's been fulfilled. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Where are those words? They're in your mouth. In your heart. To do what with? To speak out and to declare so that they would be fulfilled. There are tons and tons of those words, key words fulfilled. And as these words are fulfilled, what happens is that the kingdom of God appears. So when you're in your work environment, your life, wherever you are, you speak the word of God because it's in your heart, you've connected, you've left behind, you're following Jesus, you love obedience, it's not just a... You love, you've grown to the place where you absolutely love obedience. The very natural thing is that the kingdom of God appears. So cool. So 50 times the word kingdom is mentioned in the book of Matthew. That's a lot. And 30 times the kingdom of heaven. So it's 80 times that the kingdom of God is basically mentioned in the book of Matthew. It's a lot. Isn't that exciting? And Jesus is this king. And there are tons of references. So the purpose of this book is to show that Jesus of Nazareth was the kingly Messiah of the Jewish prophets. That's the purpose of this book, to show that Jesus is king. Jesus is not just another teacher. He's not just a prophet. He's not just another deity of the day because there were tons. There were lots of them. But he is the king of the kingdom and he has come to make his kingdom known through himself and then through us. Somebody say yes, that's awesome. Or scream or say something. I'm trying to make this as exciting as possible but we've got to, we've got to, lay, this, we've got to lay this foundation. Thanks, but... Yeah, that's awesome. Kayla, free cappuccino for Craig, okay? Ka- <laughs> <laughs> just today, just today. Yeah. So that's the the purpose of this book. So the distinctive features of Na- Matthew is that it has the complete genealogy of Jesus, like we just read. It has. It mentions. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go through the, the distinctives of of the book of Matthew and the ways how they different from the other gospels. Okay. He mentions the visit of the Magi when Jesus was baby in the manger. Um, he mentions the flight to Egypt when they, when they ran. The slaughter of the boys, the boy babies under the age of two. The return of Nazareth. None of these are mentioned in any of the other gospels but in Matthew only. The coming of the Pharisees and the Sadducees to John when John was baptizing in the river. Uh, he was the only guy I mentioned that they actually came to John to watch what he was doing and he gave them a bad rep, John, at the river there. And it is also the only gospel that says, come to me, that invitation, everybody who is weary and heaven laden, I will give you rest. Um, uh, It's the only gospel that mentions Peter walking on the water. Um, The denunciations of the Pharisees where Jesus was super strict to them and called them snakes and whitewashed tombs, which meant empty ritualistic monuments that had no power to sustain life into the future and that Jesus was now the king and the kingdom is revealed. He rebuked the Pharisees very harshly. and That's only in the book of Matthew. It's the only book that mentions the 30 silver coins that was accepted by Judas Iscariot and also the fact that he brought it back and threw it at their feet and said, I don't want this money. It's dirty money. Um, it's the only book that mentions dream, uh, Pilate's wife's dream where she said, don't, don't do this. It's bad news. Uh, And the appearance of the resurrected saints in the streets of Jerusalem were just mind blowing. It's absolutely mind blowing. Do you know that when Jesus rose from the dead, there were tons of dead people walking around Jerusalem? Who didn't know that? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Can you imagine going for, let's go for espresso downtown, and there's my my dead uncle? Actually, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Uh, he mentions the watch at the tomb. He mentions the bribing of the soldiers. He mentions the earthquake. The Great Commission uh, is very elaborate, and um, and then there are several miracles that were found early in Matthew. The two blind men that were healed after Jesus was the, was walking along the road on the way to uh, uh, on the way to uh, the the. The, the little girl, the little girl that was dead. He was walking along the road. The lady with the issue of blood touched his garment. Do you guys remember that story? He stopped. He turned around. He said, Who touched me? Thousands of people around him. These disciples are like, He's stupid. Everybody's touching you. No, one person touched me with intention. He turned around and said to the lady, Your faith has made you well. And be healed and go, go on your way. And the Bible says, As you turn around, and Matthew says there, and he went on his way, two blind men came to him and said, Lord, are you willing to make us well? He says, Yes, of course I'm willing. And they saw immediately. And he said to them, don't tell anyone about this. Wow. I love the disruptive nature of the way he communicates. Thousands of people just healed a lady with the issue of blood who was ceremonially violating every pharisaical law and he reinforced her. Reinforce is not the word. He affirmed her. He called her daughter. And he made her welcome because she was unclean. She was not allowed in that environment. And in the midst of that, he turns around, walks a couple of steps, two blind guys. Blind in the religious society was a sign of the curse of of God on the wicked. Are you willing? Of course I'm willing. And able. Boom. But don't tell anyone about this. Guys, everybody around you, don't tell anyone about this. So strange. And it says, but they went and affected the entire world with the story of what Jesus had done for them so interesting to me. I love it. Only in Matthew do you find that. And then Matthew is also the only book where, uh, where they ask Jesus about paying tax to Caesar. You guys remember that story? He was with Peter, and he said, Pete, just go there, throw in your line, catch a fish. He caught a fish, took the fish out, opened the mouth, inside was a denario. I think it was a denaria. Yeah. Some books just say it's the, uh, it was a coin. He says, pay to Caesar what Caesar's, pay to God what is God's. It's the only book that has that comprehensiveness. And uh, there's a couple of parables only found in Matthew chapter 13. The weeds, the hidden treasure, the fine pull. I'm so excited about this book. The net, uh, the unmerciful servant, the workers in the vineyard, the two sons, the marriage of the king's son, the ten virgins. It's only in Matthew. Wow. And uh, the talents, the sheep and the goats. Um, And yeah, it's going to be exciting. I'm not going to get to any of my notes. I'm going to wrap it up, okay? So... So let me just say that chapter 1 okay is a bit mysterious for me it has the genealogy which is wonderful and it's quite historic but then it speaks about it speaks about a virgin girl they say she was about 14 or 15 that was betrothed to the lineage of Christ through Joseph that fell pregnant by the power of the holy spirit and then a, and then Joseph wanted to uphold the ceremony and the, the acceptable norms of the day, and Jesus disrupted it by giving him a dream in the night and says, no, take her home, this is me. And I think, God, how much of my life finds this progression to the place where I'm like a Joseph, and I'm just like, this is, can so not be God. And the only reason, the only way you can actually explain that moment is like it's mysterious. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And there are times in our lives, in my life, and I'm sure in your lives, where it's just like mysterious, this may be the word for, wow, this doesn't make sense, but I feel that this is God. But it doesn't make sense. It's mysterious. And as we go into Matthew, is up next week. Oh, she's been preparing 40 hours already. So it's going to be a slam dunk. No pressure. Let's not lose the mystery Because if we lose the mystery, it's like we've been lobotomized. Our brains have been sucked out, and and God is just, that's not God's intention. God's intention, because He's so relational, He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is always to partner with us in everything, always to engage us. It's not just Jesus, it's us and Jesus. We are, in fact, called by Paul, co-heirs with Christ, and co-laborers with Christ. And so what my goal is and my prayer was that I would just stir in us an expectation for the mysteries of God to be revealed and to grip our hearts so that we don't enter this book like like cognitively. Give me the facts. No. We enter the mystery. We open our heart like the virgin. We open our heart and say, Lord, like Mary's words, be it unto me as you say. And then we open our hearts. And in a sense, in the spiritual realm, very real, very tangibly, we become impregnated by the power of the Holy Spirit. Woo! Jesus is king of the kingdom. Matthew is about that. The kingdom, he's the king. And that was chapter 1. Amen. Amen.